What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Now, you can probably hear it in my voice. I am quite sick today. I probably shouldn't be recording at all. The only real reason I am doing it is because of the Iron Man streak. I have done 292 straight weekday podcasts. I have not missed a show going back to last March, whatever, 12th or whatever it was. So I want to keep that streak intact. This is not going to be a long show. And I still want to get you guys a little bit of information because I know there are some of you who listen every day. And I do appreciate that. And I still wanted to get you something. Um, but this is not going to be your your usual show. This is going to be something where I'm talking a lot lower than I typically am, uh, and we're probably only going to go for about 10 minutes. Not really sure what's going on. Uh, if you guys listen regularly, you know that I've dealt with, you know, I, I don't know if it's whatever the hell you want to call it, COVID symptoms that just never went away for a while and coughs that were just kind of there. I had COVID a couple times, and it was generally okay. It wasn't, you know, too hard on me. Uh, no hospitalizations or anything like that. Um, but they were the effects were kind of lingering for a while. They seem to be okay. And then in the last week, uh, my girlfriend is sick and everybody in my house is sick, the whole family. Uh, so there's something going around. It's not anything too serious, I don't think. But just want to let you guys know at the top here. I'm sure you can hear it uh, in my voice. I'm going very quietly, so I'm going to have to boost the audio on this one. And I'm also going to only be able to go for maybe 10 minutes or so. We're going to keep this one... Fairly, fairly brief, but let's uh, start off with uh, some prospect news here. Tanner, I believe it's Bybee. I've I've seen BB, I've seen Bybee, uh, Bibby, you know, like Mike Bibby, the the basketball player from from back in the day. Uh, I I believe it's Bybee, based on what I have heard. He has been recalled um, by the Guardians. It seems like the Guardians are just going to be going through a lot of their their young arms are going to be coming up, you know, with Bybee. Um, they got Williams coming up, and then uh, Logan Allen. Like, it seems like there's just a lot going on in their system with all these guys graduating. It does make you wonder a little bit, you know, how successful that can really be, uh, in, you know, in a short stretch like that when you got so much volatility, uh, because it's just naturally what's going to happen when you have young rookie pitchers. They are going to be more volatile. How much more volatile... I don't know, and I don't even know necessarily what if they're going to stick in the rotation, uh, if it's going to be Allen, and if it's going to be Williams, and if it's going to be Bybee long-term. I, I really don't know. I think Zach Plezak probably does leave that rotation. There's a lot of viable arms in that Cleveland organization. We talked about it a lot, that they are one of the teams that develops pitching better than any other. So you are, you are going to be more inclined to be interested when they bring somebody up. And like we saw the other day, Logan Allen. His debut was fantastic. You know, six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. This organization knows what they're doing. Tanner Bybee, he got called up, and he is pitching today. Now, this call-up did happen, I believe, was it last night or was it this morning? I can't remember exactly uh, when the news was. I was actually at the Blue Jays game last night, and I felt fine at the Blue Jays game last night. Uh, Woke up feeling wretched, though. But Tanner Bybee, uh, he's starting today against Colorado. He's, at the time of recording, gone two innings, struck out three batters. He's up to 17% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I think that he is somebody where you're, you know, we got to see how this game goes. Of course, this is still two innings in. He's looked very good so far. I guess we have to kind of just wait and see a little bit, though, in terms of shallower leagues. Deeper leagues, he is going to be somebody that you're, you're going to want to put a bid in on, most likely. 
uh, even if it's not a crazy high bid, just to keep you honest kind of bid in case he does stay up in the big leagues. I think that he's somebody where you could see a lot of fantasy viability. I don't know necessarily if he is going to stay up long-term, but we've seen at the minor league level really strong strikeout numbers, usually good control, which he has not really had in the small sample size at AAA this year. Uh, he's walking 13% of batters, but in the previous, uh, well, last season at a couple different levels of the minor leagues, very good control, good strikeout numbers. He dominated. Uh, he, he really did dominate high A and double A last year. And so far, I mean, the walks have been a bit of a concern for him, but in 15 innings pitched, uh, he's got a 1.76 ERA, a 2.54 FIP. So, He's looking very good in the minors. Uh, if he does stick, then he is likely somebody that will have fantasy viability considering this rotation or considering the way that this organization uh, is typically able to flourish with their pitching prospects. He is definitely somebody that I'd be interested in deeper leagues. I'm not ready to take the plunge yet necessarily in a shallow league in a 10 or a 12. I think he's probably a viable streamer in a 12 if you picked him up today. Uh, I'd probably hold off on the very, very shallow formats, though. But Tanner Bybee, uh, definitely interesting uh, in your deeper leagues, and especially if he is able to stay at the big league level, he could be somebody that we are talking about uh, for quite a while this season. Anyway, I think long-term we're going to be talking about him, uh, but this season he could be somebody who makes some noise if he is able to maintain that rotation spot. I don't know why it would be uh, given to Zach Plezak long-term. He is not very good. We know this. Um, but we just kind of have to wait and see on what the Guardians are going to do. Justin Verlander, we got some news on Justin Verlander. This one was last night, I believe. Uh, he expects to return to the team after making one scheduled rehab start, and that will be on Friday. So that would put him in line to return May the 3rd against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he has not pitched an inning this season. I believe it was opening day, actually, when Justin Verlander was put onto the shelf. Definitely put a damper on Mets fans and certain fantasy managers' opening day experience. Definitely understandable. Uh, but Verlander should be pretty good to go, I would imagine, once he is once he's back. I mean, I've said this a bunch of times about Verlander and about Max Scherzer. And it can kind of apply to, you know, other guys as well. Clayton Kershaw, those generational kind of talent pitchers. When they tell you something, you generally believe it. You generally say, okay, this is coming at face value. From what we're hearing from Verlander, from what we heard from him the entire time, is that he was going to come back somewhere, you know, maybe not a minimum IL stint, but not too far beyond that. Maybe a month at most. It wasn't going to be something that was like a long-term issue for him. He never seemed too worried about it, so we were never too worried about it. I think you got to fully trust him, right? And like, it's obvious that you're going to start him. I just more thinking about like what can we actually expect from Justin Verlander at his age, coming off of now a shoulder injury. Injury, uh, injury uh, at his age. How is that going to play on a new team and a new league? I don't know necessarily that it's going to really matter that much because, like, we're still talking. Like I said, these generational talent pitchers, you, you have to take them at their word that they are still good. And Justin Verlander is not somebody who is going to go out there if he's going to suck. If he starts to really sharply decline. Uh, even over the course of a couple starts, I feel like you'd see him go back on the injured list and there would be something. I, I don't see Verlander going out there and ending his career just getting shelled over the course of the last few months of the season, whatever it is. you know, Even if it's at the beginning of the season, end of the season, whatever it is, I can't see Verlander going out there and being a sixer and round over four innings kind of guy. I think that he is going to be good to go once he is back. He won't rush himself back. Once he is fully ready, and you know, maybe he does need another week after this, whatever it is, I, I trust him implicitly, essentially is what I'm trying to say. I trust Verlander implicitly. There will be some worry, perhaps, if you did draft him. I'm sure some people have already traded him the way that 
this fantasy world works. People are very impatient. I'm sure some people, as soon as they saw he was injured, were like, okay, I'll trade Verlander for, you know, nine-tenths on the dollar and, you know, or eight-tenths on the dollar, whatever it is, and try and get somebody who is less injury-prone. Now, with the way pitching injuries have happened this year, nobody's really not injury-prone. Um, but Justin Verlander, I think, is somebody where you should still be fairly confident in his abilities going forward. There's no real massive concern level for me, even with the shoulder. It's not great. I mean, I'll, I'll put it to you like that. It's not ideal. I wouldn't have chosen it. Uh, if this was a choose-your-own-adventure story, that's not what I would have put into the plot. But I think there's still not reason to be overly concerned at this point about Justin Verlander. Could be wrong. It could be disastrous. A 40-year-old in a new team in a new park with a shoulder problem coming on to start the year. It could be bad. Uh, but at this point, I'm not too worried uh, about Justin Verlander. There's really not too much in terms of groundbreaking stuff that has happened over the last 24 hours, really. Uh, Brian Reynolds got his new deal in Pittsburgh, which was not really a fantasy story. It, it does play into fantasy a little bit. Um, first of all, I think that it's still an underpay. Uh, it's hundred what is it? One hundred and twenty-two million, one hundred and thirty million dollars over six years. It's like thirteen million annually. I think it's about thirteen, fourteen million annually. No, I think I'm. I might be wrong on the figure there. Well, why is the score not giving me? Um, what the actual figure is here. It was $106 million for eight years. Is that what it was? $106 million for eight years, yeah. It seems like an underpay. Yeah, it was $13 million annually. I was just wrong on the, on the total year figure. It seems like a, a weird contract here for both sides. Good for Reynolds for getting paid. You know, like you always love to see a guy get paid. I feel like he maybe sold himself a little bit short as a 28-year-old switch hitting outfield, center fielder, not just any outfielder, center fielder, um, you know, who has started off red hot this season to start the year. I mean, he's cooled off the last couple days a little bit, but he's still got five homers, three steals. He's got 31 runs in RBIs combined in 22 games. I think he may have sold himself short a little bit uh, in terms of the average annual value, $13 million. Uh, I don't know. Like, what, even just Brandon Nimmo. Like, what did Brandon Nimmo get this past offseason? I feel like it was more than that. Uh, Brandon Nimmo got quite a bit more than that. I know it's Steve Cohen, uh, but he got $20 million over the same span, over eight years, $20 million annually versus Brian Reynolds' is $13 million annually. I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. <clears throat> Could this just be the Mets throwing more money at a guy because they have more money than the lowly pirates. Yes, it could be. I don't know why Reynolds felt the need to lock in this deal right now. It feels like, and I'm far from an expert on salary cap and, and I'm not salary cap payrolls and all those, you know, fine details, the, the math stuff behind the game. Um, but I don't know necessarily why he would sign a deal that I personally feel like is below market value. I don't think that that's even too much of a question. $13 million is fairly cheap, I would I would say, for a 28-year-old. Um, you know, from a fantasy point of view, I was kind of hoping that Brian Reynolds would get traded because there was nowhere that he could go, really, that would be a negative to his fantasy value. Any lineup change would be an improvement. You know, that's that's a main part of it. You know, he's going to be who he is, regardless of, of where you are, pretty much. He's going to be a guy who's hitting probably 270 for you. Uh, potential for, you know, there's a bit of a variance there with the batting average, but probably in the 270 range, 25 to 30 home run range. He can ship in a few steals. You had good counting stats, decent enough counting stats in that lineup. The only thing that really, you know, intrigued me there is if he did get traded, 
the Yankees were talked about a lot, then he'd slot in probably at the top of a Yankees lineup, and there would be you know much much more opportunities there for more counting stats uh, for Brian Reynolds. So I'm a little disappointed <clears throat> from that point of view that I was hoping maybe we would see him get traded at some point, and we wouldn't have to you know see him long term in this Pittsburgh lineup. Now that being said, the Pittsburgh lineup you know between him and O'Neill and O'Neill Cruz that is and Jack Sawinski and you know their catching prospects, it could be a very good team. Uh, in a few years. I just think it's a little bit strange Ryan Reynolds signing this deal mid-season instead of testing out his value, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he really likes Pittsburgh. I don't know. I It's it's, it's a strange one. It's something that's disappointed me a little bit. You know, The more I've thought about it, I was really hoping that he would be even more of a fantasy asset than he already is, just simply based on, you know, being in a good lineup will give you, you know, call it 160, 170 runs in RBIs compared to 140, 150 on the poor lineup. It's not the end of the world. He's still going to be a great player. He can still be a five-category guy. Just a little bit disappointing. Last thing I really want to talk about, and my throat is killing me, guys, so apologies for this not being the most in-depth show. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Fernando Tatis Jr. This is just a small thing. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And, again, I'm going to be in the minority here. I'm going to be called the old man. I'm going to be called – I'm 24 years old, by the way. People are going to call me the old man um, for this take, but I don't like the, the bullshit. I, I, don't, I don't know why there has to be antics, and people will say, oh, it's just having fun, just playing around. So I'll explain it for you guys who haven't seen it. Last night they were playing the Cubs. The Padres were playing the Cubs at Wrigley. And they were taunting Tati, saying, you're a cheater or whatever like that. And he turned it into some kind of dance, and he was having fun with it. I don't know that I'd want to be making light of the fact that I cheated if I'm Fernando Tatis and I'm still trying to get back into the good graces of a lot of baseball fans. <clears throat> a lot of people don't care. I still don't really know exactly how I feel about that because I'm still uh, – I, I know there's been timelines that have been laid out, and he used it for recovery from his injury – it's a little bit suspicious. I don't know how much that, you know, we can trust the timeline like that. I, I still think that Fernando Tatis Jr. naturally is an incredibly gifted player. Maybe he got a little bit pushed up, um, you know, value-wise, production-wise, based on what he was taking. I don't know. That's total conjecture. Um, but I don't think that somebody who's trying to rebuild his image based on, you know, the recklessness that he has shown with motorcycle accidents and nonsense and plus the suspension, a bunch of injuries, I don't think that he should be doing this kind of thing. I think that he should just be taking the game seriously at this point and trying to keep his head down and play the game of baseball. You know, he has not gotten off to a hot start here. He hit the one home run. He's four for 22. Uh, you know, we're only talking about five games here, but he has not been that great. He does have a hit in four out of the five games, but overall four for 22 is not what you're going to be expecting out of Fernando Tatis Jr. I might be coming off crazy. People might think, oh, he's grumpy or whatever. He's not feeling well today, so he's in a bad mood. Potentially, there is some of that. But Fernando Tatis is, I, I think, an incredible ball player who is going to be viewed differently than he probably should because of different antics and bullshit. And this is just more bullshit. You know, dancing on the field to play, and they're calling you a cheater. I guess you just want to kind of make light of it in some way. Ignore it. Be an adult and ignore it. You know, I... I I really wish that we didn't have to deal with this kind of thing from Tatis because he's so exceptional on the field that you shouldn't really have to worry about any of this other stuff. We should never have had to even go down this road with him in terms of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable because that's just the way that the conversation has turned based on the way his career has gone. A guy who has multiple car-slash-motorcycle accidents, he's kind of a goofy guy. 
the, the injuries, the PEDs, there's just too much. Like it's too for a 24 year old, it's, it's too much. Like we need to just be able to focus on his talent, which does get left behind a lot of the time because of things like this. I am definitely in the minority based on what I saw on Twitter today. People are saying, ah, he's having fun. Let him have fun. Take the game seriously, you know, take the game seriously. And then you can have fun uh, once you're, you know, succeeding and being uh, a proper major league ball player. Because at this point, he is a great player. He is one of the greatest players in the game today. When healthy, his skill set is incredible. He is a you know a big shortstop who can hit for power and he can steal bases and he's you know good solid athletic guy. Not defensively you know amazing. He's not Ozzy Smith, but he's you know he's a very incredibly talented baseball player. I just hope that he doesn't keep up with crazy antics for the rest of his career. Uh, you know, just play the freaking game. Don't be Manny Ramirez. Just keep your head down and play the game because that's where he's going, right? He's turning into Manny Ramirez. A lot of people like Manny Ramirez. A lot of people hated Manny Ramirez, and he's never going to the Hall of Fame. So I guess it's, a, it's up to Fernando up to what he wants to be. If he wants to be somebody where maybe there was an early career PED kind of thing, yeah, it's literally you want to be David Ortiz or do you want to be Manny Ramirez? And I think that you would be more likely to want to be David Ortiz, somebody who maybe there was some PED stuff at the beginning of the career that gets passed over, that gets, you know, people don't really think about it because of the fact that he was so great. There was nothing else in the later years. He kept his head down. He played the game, and he was one of the best to ever do it. The Manny Ramirez side of that is similar, you know, PEDs fairly early in the career. I think he used them earlier in the career, and then he used them again later in the career uh, with the Dodgers. Um, it's, just, it's a slightly different story, but I just want to, I'm hoping that Fernando Tatis will avoid becoming the next Manny Ramirez, because as much as I liked Man Ram, he's not somebody you could take seriously, uh, you know, not somebody that you can necessarily rely upon as a ball player, as offensively talented as he was, as funny as the plays he made out and left were, he's not somebody that you can necessarily rely on as a teammate and as a ball player. And I think that we might be heading there with Fernando Tatis Jr. It is too soon to tell for sure, but I want him to cut the crap and get rid of some of these antics because I would just like to be able to focus on what he does best, which is playing baseball and providing five category fantasy value when he is fully, fully healthy guys. I've gone longer than I probably should have. Uh, my throat is awful. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go rest up for the rest of the day uh, you guys can check me out. Ask me any questions you like over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 at EthosFantasyBB as well. We'll get back to quick hits tomorrow. I took the day off just because I'm really not feeling the best. Uh, but we will be back tomorrow with we'll talk streamers for <clears throat> well tomorrow will be Thursday show. So we will talk Friday streamers. We'll look back on Wednesday's games and we'll talk about any other fantasy relevant news. But guys, until then, have a great night. We will see you tomorrow. Cheers. 